Welcome to Midweek Wednesday, No Apology with the Bible Idiots. We're Chris and Emily Danielson, and it is Wednesday, which means we're bringing you our long-form teaching today. And today, Pastor Chris is going to take us into the book of 1 Corinthians. His message is really unique. There's actually eight points to this message, and he's talking about who I am or who you are by the grace of God. And so I hope it encourages you today, and thank you once again for listening to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. Now, for those of you who are just visiting, a lot of times I will like to play a little video. Little uh, Bishop Ron calls them flickers of faith. They're like introductions to kind of set the mood for a, a message that's coming. And I couldn't find one I liked that, that fit this. You know, we're going to talk about grace today. And, you know, the, I really didn't like her, but then now I do kind of movie. And so she's okay with me. That just didn't seem to fit. And that's what a lot of Hollywood movies are. A lot of Hollywood storytelling is that epiphany. If you don't know what storytelling is, storytelling is where, the way Don Keith explains it, is that you take your hero, doesn't matter whether it's male or female, and you get him stuck in a tree, then you throw rocks at him, and then you get him out of the tree. And that's what every story is that you watch on any movie uh, for the most part, I'm saying 95% of them. The good ones are always that type of storyline. And when I think about the grace of God and who I am, I could not find a flicker of faith. I could not find a little clip that I felt fit. And then the ones that I did find that fit, I didn't have access to. See, we, I subscribe to a service where they have some downloads available, but then they also, because you've subscribed, you have the rights to find it on a DVD and then you could time code it and you could, we could play it that way. And I didn't have the DVD of the one that I thought actually worked. So after a couple hours of this this week, I'm like, by the grace of God, I have to move on. <laughs> and so uh, the, the message today is called, Who I Am by the Grace of God. And as I think about some of the toughness that we've gone through this week together uh, and separately, just five of you have gone through some pretty rough stuff this week. And that's just the five I know about. I'll bet you there's more that have had a little bit of a dark journey this week. And so we come together on Sunday morning, those of us who know the Lord, who have been changed by his grace. And we want to lift up our voice and we want to worship him. And we've had a chance to pray. We've had a chance to sing. And now I want to talk to you a little bit about who we actually are by the grace of God. And we're going to have multiple scriptures today, but there's one text that we're going to start with, and we're going to also end with it, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to start with verse 10 today, and I'm just going to read that to you in Jesus' name. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that these be your words, that you strengthen your children right now during this time of worship that we've set aside to intentionally come here into this sanctuary which was created for folks just like us. We love you and thank you and praise you now, Jesus. Amen. 
I don't know who originally wrote this, what I'm going to tell you about, but I know that a bunch of us used to do this back in the day, and we used to enhance it, but uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a church service where they had a children's sermon, where the pastor would come down and all the kids would come forward, and my favorite children's sermon to do, because I was asked to do this quite a bit, was one where I would use the potatoes, and I would ask the kids, I'd say, do you know... Uh, what we call potatoes back where I come from, they'd all be like, what? What do you call them? I'd say, we call them taters. They're taters. And each tater is different, just like each person is different. Then I'd hold up one that was kind of oblong, and I'll say, this, this one is really wanting to control everything you do. We call this a dictator. <laughs> and then I'd set it aside. Then I'd pull up another potato out of the bag and I'd say, this one really wants to get under your skin. You know the kind of kids that every time you do something wants to say something about it? We call this the agitator. And I'd set it, set it there. Then I'd grab another potato and I'd say, you know, and this goes on for quite a while. You can take it on as long as you can come up with a tater word. <laughs> but this one, this one, he wants to start a fight with you over every little thing. We call that an instigator, tater. <laughs> by the way, none of this is in my notes today. But I didn't realize I was going to be up here with a 20-minute sermon by 20 after, so we're, we're, we're going on the fly here. But it would always end, no matter how many taters you did, it would always end with, but by the grace of God, I yam what I yam. And there is so much push in our country, especially in the new millennium, especially since, um, well, since the Clinton administration, because uh, I've studied it. I've studied it hard as far as our cultural shifts that we've done. And can any of you imagine being able to go to the airport and sprint in all the way up to the gate and say, don't get on that plane? You know, we used to make movies like that. Well, what happened? Well, 9-11 happened, and the Overton windows shift. Some of you probably can't even remember when you didn't have to pay baggage fees. You know, th that's just the airlines. Think about our approach to relationships just since social media came in 2007, 2008. That's when it really started taking off. Prior to that, the Internet started coming around 95, 96. You know, I used to love those arguments we used to have over, over fries at 1 in the morning at Denny's about what was the number one song in 1975. You know, certainly it was this, certainly it was that. And then we would have to go to the library and look it up. <laughs> and then a month later, we'd get together and we'd figure it out. Now it's just, what was the number one song in 1975? See, I was right. You were wrong. So the word grace, as we get into today's message, and being who we are, is something that I think that we could take a, just a deep breath on this Sunday and just look at together. See, grace is one of those special words that belongs to the child of God. And it belongs to us because of who we now are in Christ. And there's words out there that are special, don't, like glory and, and hallelujah and faith and, and amen. And even amen, they tried to hijack that a couple months ago. You know, some very educated, well-meaning, but very dark-hearted person tried to say it was our woman, too. And it's like, that's not even grammatically correct, because it has nothing to do with gender. 
It's like speaking your agreement. And it's how we properly appreciate our journey. We have some of these special words, and grace is one of them. This is what the dictionary defines grace as. Unmerited help given to people by God. Not just help, but unmerited help. Because you know who you are, and I know who I am, and Lifehouse Church is established for all of us type of folk. And we, we know what that means. And then God creates a new work in us and the redemption in us. And how's that? It's by grace. Well, what is that? It's who I am because of grace. See, listen to this definition. I didn't write this, and I don't have any idea who did, but listen to this. This is just an incredible definition. Grace is the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps them, strengthens them, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindness to the exercise of the Christian virtues. Man, I wish I could have been one who quoted that, because is that not spot on? That is the grace that is who we are. And if we're not, it's who we want to be. And if we don't want to be, then we're not saved. It's that simple. See, in the verses we're going to go through today, particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great apostles defending the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's fighting against the, the doubts of unbelievers, and he mentions the fact that the resurrected Christ was seen by Peter, the 12, plus 500 brethren, and the earthly brother James, and then last of all, Paul. Paul proceeds to tell his readers that because of his sins and attacks against the church, that he was the least of the apostles and that he wasn't even worthy to be among them. I've talked to many of you, and you're just like me in the fact that we don't feel like we should probably belong because of our past, because we don't come from the right stock, because our parents aren't so-and-so. And we didn't have this mumbo-jumbo or that opportunity, you know. And so we look across the landscape of Christianity and we compare our past to what everybody else has and we always come out on the short end of the stick. And Jesus, through the Apostle Paul today in this message, is here to say, no more. You are who you are because of the grace of Jesus Christ and you are a child of God, fully inheritance alongside Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And in the meantime, while we're still on this earth, it gets more and more difficult when we walk in this grace to look with condescension on anybody else. In fact, we want everybody else to be like us. We want everybody else to just be full of joy. Because we didn't create it ourselves. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve nothing less than hell apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit. However, because of his grace was revealed to us in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be saved and used by the Lord in a wonderful fashion. I still love the fact that I get to be around people who don't think they should be used by God, but they are. And that's Lifehouse Church. That's all of us here. I think that's why God sent me here. 
because I think I wouldn't have fit anywhere else. I mean, what are we, in our 11th month together? You've heard me. How many churches do you think would have thrown me out by now? <laughs> oh, you laugh. You think it's funny. <laughs> and I just think it's great that there's a place where people can come and they can feel like they belong. And it's not because we're conjuring ourselves in a cool come-as-you-are church. It's because the grace of God has changed enough of you and me to make us know that it's him and not us and that we belong just like everybody else and we're just as legitimately saved as everybody else. And it's awesome. It's awesome to be the loser in the room who's at the front of the line because Jesus Christ looked at me and said, you, you follow me, you're coming with me, you're my guy, you're gonna be with me. And he's done the same for many of you. So for just a few moments this morning, I want us to consider who I am by the grace of God. And the I am in this story is you. It's nobody else in this room, it's not me. The I am is you. Who are you by the grace of God? See, first of all, grace can just hit. It can just strike. I'm going to read you another quote. This one is from a guy named Paul Tillich. I have no idea who this dude is. But listen to what he said. Grace strikes us when we are in a great deal of pain and restlessness. It strikes us when we walk through the valley of darkness of a meaningless and empty life. It strikes us when year after year the long-for perfection does not appear, when the old compulsions reign within us as they have for decades, when when despair destroys all joy and courage. Sometimes at that moment, a wave of light breaks into the darkness as though the voice were saying, you are accepted, you are accepted, accepted by that which is greater than you, in the name of which you do not know. Do not ask for the name now. Perhaps you will find it later. Do not try anything now. Perhaps later you will do much. Do not seek for anything. Do not perform anything. Do not intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted. And if that happens to us, we experience authentic grace. That is what Jesus Christ has done when he broke through the darkness for many of us in this room. I say many of us because I don't know your, all of your relationships. I can only go by the ones who have testified to Jesus Christ. And for us, it's awesome. And you know that that's it. Everybody can reject me, but Jesus accepted me. While I was still a sinner, he pursued me because I had value in his eyes. And so do you. Let's get into the points today. There's a bunch of them in your notes. We don't spend a long time on any of them. But number one, this is the most important one of them all. I am saved by grace. I am saved by grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. That's what makes Christianity the equal opportunity across the board for everybody. All are sinners. Oh, he's a worse sinner than me. She's much worse than I ever was, said no one who really understands God's grace ever. We're all in need of a Savior. Ephesians 1.7 takes it a little further. It says, 
in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Fifteen minutes from now, we're all standing in heaven. And we all are going to walk through this gate into eternal paradise to be with Jesus. And the way people write about this, the way that storytellers have told about this, it varies so much that I don't even think we can totally get our head around it. But just try this analogy. Every one of us gets up to the, to the teller, and the teller says, it'll be X amount of dollars to get in. Let's just use currency. And so somebody walks up to the teller, and they say $9.53. And they reach into their pocket, and oh, they've got exactly $9.53. And they hand it to the person, and they walk through. The next person walks up and says, they said, that'll be $275.18. And they reach into their pocket. And, oh, it's a miracle. They got exactly $275.18. And they hand it to them and they walk in. Then you and I walk up because they're charging for our sins now. And they say, that'll be $2.5 million flat cash. Because we're really bad people, right? So we reach into our pocket. Oh, it's exactly $2.5 million flat cash, and we walk in. Who got more grace? Nobody. It was all the same. When you reach into your pocket on Judgment Day, Jesus is going to put there whatever you have needed, which is why you can't out me, and I can't out you. Well, certainly there's Hitler. Certainly there's you know, this mass murderer and that mass. Look, Jesus said he died for all. All who will come to him, all who will turn and look, all who will transfer that trust. We are saved by his grace. I have maybe mentioned this before, but it was just it's something that stuck with me. I was on the streets of Arizona, I was in Tucson, and we were I was talking with this this kid and, and he, he just started his first year in, in college. He's like, Chris, I want to come back to church, but I want to clean myself up first. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I got to make sure I put this away and that away. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't even have that good of clothes. I'm like, dude, you don't, you've totally lost everything that, that this is about. You come to church as you are. You come to Jesus as you are. And the idea of coming to church and getting Jesus, those are two different things. You get Jesus and you get his grace, then you go to church because you want to worship him. The church offers you nothing. The church in and of itself is a broken institution by religionists in most cases. Otherwise, it's soundly saved people who by God's grace just simply want to reach out with love and truth to each other and God's given them a place of sanctuary where they can go in and celebrate his name every day of their life if they could come to church every day. But most of us keep it to once a week. You follow? You don't need to improve yourself to come to God. God pursues you, and he, he fixes you, he blesses you, he saves you, and he starts a good work in you. And that means you're welcome in God's house. Always. Number two, I am sure by grace. Romans 5, 2, I am sure by grace. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
I'm telling you, man, we can easily look at verses like this, the way we walk, the way we talk, especially if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, and it's just, yeah, 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 we, uh, we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. <laughs> White noise right over the top of the head. Stop and think about it. The hope of the glory of God is that Jesus Christ has died for us and given us redemption in spite of our sins, this immense grace. How do you not rejoice? You're sure of it. Emily coined a phrase years ago, I know what I know because I know it because I know it. I know what I know because I know it because I know it. Number three. And by the way, before we go to number three, Kelly Cooper on his Facebook page posted a thing that said, if my pastor's points don't all start with the same letter, is he a real pastor? So this was only going to be four, but in honor of Kelly, I pushed it to eight. <laughs> and yes, they all start with the letter S. You, you better believe it. Let's do it. All right, number three, I am secure by grace. I am secure by grace. It's a safety. You're held in his grip. Romans 3.24. Romans 3.24 says, they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Those of you taking notes, right? Write Romans 3, 21 through. That little paragraph there is one of the greatest paragraphs ever written in all of human history. It's, it's unbelievable what that little paragraph is. But I just grabbed verse 24. They are justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's secure. On judgment day, your, your pockets are filled with everything that you need. You've been given redemption. Number four, I am strengthened by grace. I am strengthened by grace. This is what I need to this week. I told you last week that on Memorial Day in the rain, I went down like a sack of hammers. My ankles healed while I was out walking my dogs again, and I caught an edge, and I think I blew out my left knee. <laughs> I'm just a mess. And I'm just weary this week. I've just been tired all week. And I tell people, I was on the radio with my wife for 15 years and I worked only three days. Only three days was it tough. It was always playing. It was, I was always excited. We get to do another show today. And I got to be honest, I feel like that when I come to Lifehouse Church. It's part of the many, 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 many ways God has confirmed this calling for me. Usually Saturday nights, I can't wait to sleep to get up and come and share the gospel because I've been working on this all week. It wasn't that way this week. It just wasn't. And I asked God this morning on my back porch about 6 o'clock to, Lord, please infuse me with that strength. Strengthen me, Lord. And he did. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. For you who have been rolling on embers all week, let this verse right here be the bellows that causes a flame to come up out of those embers for you. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. life house so attractive none of us walk around here talking about how great a saints we are 
which makes us great saints to be around. I love our leadership here. I love the covenant partners here. I love the new people that are starting to come. I love the people I'm meeting in the community. And it comes back to the fact that we boast about our weaknesses. We boast about the fact that we're probably never going to be all that, but we're cool with that. We're not part of the cool kids, which makes us the cool kids. The comedian one time was talking about Sully, the airplane pilot, who landed that U.S. Airways flight on the Hudson River. They said, Sully, aren't you a hero? He's like, no, no, I'm not a hero. And the comedian said, there you go. Here's a hero who thinks he's not a hero. What a hero. (laughs) We're strengthened by his grace. And then what does that mean? That means we don't care what anybody else thinks of us. You don't like Lifehouse, so what? And I know I, I, I did a little bit of the DPC last week, and I think I went too harsh on the I don't care thing. Because I, I, I don't want you to confuse, I really don't have time for you and your nonsense because I'm strengthened by grace and I'm standing for the Lord Jesus Christ with I'm an apathetic jerk who just doesn't care what you have to say. That they're two different things. And I, and I struggle that maybe I come across wrong sometimes. And I just gotta, we just got to do it. We just got to be real. We just got to lay it out there for what it is. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. We're going to do what we're going to do. And we're going to do it to the best of our ability. And sometimes... Somebody else might be able to do a task like this, and mine is like this, but this is me excelling, and God knows it, because he's the only one I'm doing it for. Follow? There might be a better stage for VBS set up at some church that has 1,000 members, but ain't nobody going to ever compare or going to convince me that this is not the greatest excelling VBS stage I've ever seen. Because it is. Number five, I'm supplied by grace. I'm supplied by grace. Hebrews 4.16 says this. It says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. If we are truly doing things for God's glory, if we're authentically trying to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live for him, we will be strengthened by grace, we will be supplied by grace, and we won't have any needs that he will not take care of. If there's a need that he does not take care of, then guess what? We didn't need it. And if you can look at it through that lens, especially when you put your heart and soul into something and he just doesn't, doesn't do it, and you got to come over here and you got to say, Lord, by your grace, I guess that just wasn't supposed to be and I thought it was. And then you have to repent from thinking you were trying to do something that you weren't supposed to do. 
You get what I'm saying? When you go out here and you go into gathering grounds and you drink a cup of coffee or have an iced tea or you come to VBS and you see our stage or you come and listen to the music or the preaching or anything, this is us being supplied by grace, strengthened by grace, giving our very best. This is us excelling for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's not good enough for you, then you need to check your grace level. Because I'm telling you, the dipstick is probably running a little bit low for you if you can't see God's power in all of this stuff around here, when you can't see somebody giving their very best. Let me tell you something. My granddaughter, Quinn, she painted a rock gold, and then I, I said, sign it. And, and she goes, what do you mean, Grandpa? She's like four years old. I said, put, put your name on this. All she could do was make a cue with, with a marker. And she, you know, that rock sits on my desk. I'll show it to you after the service. That rock's the most beautiful rock I've ever seen. If you said, give up that rock, I'll give you a Picasso or a Rembrandt, I'd tell you to pound sand with the camels right here to testify. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? We're God's children. He loves us more than I love my granddaughter, which is pretty hard. That's, big, that's a big statement. And so we're strengthened. We're supplied by grace. He's there to help us in a time of need. And what we do is always good enough if it's done in that right grace-filled mentality. Number six. I am somebody by grace. I am somebody by grace. Ephesians 3, 7 through 8 says, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Paul always says, and we'll get to it in another scripture here in a minute, that because he persecuted the church, he's the least of the saints. And many of us know we're filled. Know we're filled with Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. But because of who we used to be and the pedigree that we come from or don't come from prevents us from being somebody. And instead, we bask in the glory of Jesus Christ and we are somebody and we're more than somebody. We're the best somebody we will ever be. Because of his grace. And it's more than enough. In fact, it's better. Number seven, I'm satisfied by grace. Ephesians 2 7 says, So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He's going to continue to show up. Those of us who've walked with Jesus for any length of time, not only do we grow spiritually most of the time, but we also can see the display of just how deep and wide and amazing the grace of Jesus Christ is and how kind he is to us. In fact, when I see Jesus show kindness to my enemies to see them get saved, sometimes it, it bugs me. And I have to go back to him, and I have to say, Lord, you've forgiven me of so much, I, I've got to look at what you're doing over here, and I've got to be cool with it. And then finally, our text again today. I'm going to add the other two verses on the top of it. I'm surprised by grace. I'm surprised by the grace of God that'll calm my heart in the face of enemies. I'm surprised by grace when I want my pound of flesh and Jesus says, okay, then I want my pound of flesh from you. I'm like, no, I don't want that. I want you to forgive me, but get him. 
Just get him, God. And Jesus is like, you can't think that way. Let me give you some more grace. Look at it through the lens of grace. And then you're surprised. He's right. I can't hold a grudge against this person who just flat out wronged me because of the immenseness that I have been forgiven. And if I've been forgiven, that doesn't matter to me anymore. In fact, I want that person to find the same joy and grace that I've got. And I'm surprised by that. 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 10 says this. We're putting a little bit of the frosting on the cake you heard at the top of the message. It says this. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, but because I persecuted the church of God. But here it is. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And the grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. See, many things in life will fail us. Friendships will take off and then they'll die. Health can be an elusive thing. Riches and wealth, sometimes they're obtained and it's not worth anything and sometimes it's just right outside our grasp. And the worst is when you obtain wealth and it's not enough. Rockefeller was, said, how much is enough? And his famous quote was, just a little bit more. See, those things will pass from the scene and sometimes it'll leave a void in our hearts that's hard to fill. But there's one thing that every child of God possesses. And if you don't, I highly encourage you to get right with Jesus. Bring your sins to the foot of the cross and find redemption. I'll introduce him to you if you'd like. But there's one thing that the children of God possess that will never fail, never end, never run out, never run dry, that will never be found insufficient and that is the authentic grace of God. Some of us have been on long and dreary roads. And some of us will still continue to have days filled with struggles and difficulties. But rest assured, if you know Jesus and you go to him for authentic grace, he will show up and be sufficient for every need and every trial. That's the promise of God, and that is the hope of the saints. And that is my testimony to you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Creator, King, and Counselor, the three in one, we come to you as children today, and we ask for us to see the incredible authentic grace on our lives so that we'll live this way and we can be who we are because of your grace. Strengthen us now for the times in which we live in. Help every child here be strong in your grace to push back the darkness. Thank you for holding us close. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.